You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis, hosting as usual, and I'm joined by Reds legend Gary Birtles today. Gary, good afternoon, good morning even. How are you? Are you wishing the day away already? <laughs> no, no, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> and uh, coming back to the podcast is Forza of Garibaldi co-founder Greg Mitchell. Greg, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Very well. Good, 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 good. Um, well, as I said to you both, we'll do the podcast a little bit differently because Forest seems to have ascended into kind of a lower table, lower mid-table mediocrity. So we'll talk a bit of current events and then we're going to do something a bit different and talk about our favourite Forest 11s and what it's been like with a year without football. So we'll come to that later, but we will start with uh, talking about current events as usual. Greg, you watched in full on I Follow Forest's draw with Reading at the weekend. Um, what did you make of it? A good point or two points dropped? Uh, two points dropped again. I mean, it, it was a promising start. It was great to see Lolly, you know, reach some form of previous years. And I mean, it was, oh, it was good for him when he went off, but it doesn't sound too serious. Uh, I mean, Obi was doing okay. Goalkeeping error again cost us a point. I did feel for him, but you know, we've really got to uh, iron those mistakes out for next season. And I don't know. It's just another point towards kind of like limping towards the end of the season and ready for next year, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, Gary, you saw just the highlights of the basics of the game. You mentioned before you were disappointed in the goal Forrest conceded. Yeah, not just the goalkeeper. You know, it should, it should have been stopped before it got to the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. It was too easy. You know, that ball that was played in between the centre-halves, you know, it got there too easy. The move was allowed to be completed more easily than it should have been. And then, you know, to compound things at the end, uh, you know, the goalkeeper made a mistake. He doesn't make many mistakes. Still think he's one of the better goalkeepers in the uh, in the championship. But it's, you know, before the ball was kicked, I, I think if you'd have said, we'll take a point, I'd have been happy with that, the way things are going at the moment. Because the run we're on at the moment, we've not been battered by anybody. We're getting close to teams. But it's that final third again. We just cannot make it count. You know where it's where it should count. Um, the the irony of all the irony of all this now is, if there's another own goal, own goals are our top scorer. No, they are top scorers. Isn't they're it? joint top scorer, aren't they? With um, Lyle Taylor, he's got four, and own goals have got four. I think. Oh, well, it might be five. I don't know. It's not a good debate to have either way, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if own goals are your, your, your highest scorer. And that, again, highlights again, you know, where the problem lies. Uh, at the back again, we don't look overly bad. Um, I think we've, you know, we've mentioned it last time on the podcast. You know, we, defensively, we're looking OK. We've conceded less goals than um, Brentford, I think, still. Um, and they're where they are. So, you know, a point was, for me, a half-decent result. It was a good goal by Forrest, though, in a sense, wasn't it? Because Murray did put pressure and make it difficult for the defender, and it was good wing play from uh, Amiobi off a good ball by Garner to, to give Forrest I credit, Gary. Amiobi, I mean, he showed strength, desire, and you're right, Murray causes those sort of problems in the box. You know, he makes it uncomfortable for defenders. And if you put the right ball, I've said this time and time again, if you put the ball in early in the right areas, not necessarily will you get on the end of it, but a defender from the opposition might get on the end of it and do what he did. The longer you delay getting the ball in the box, people can set themselves a little bit better. 
by getting it in early, you catch defenders unaware. And then they, they, there's a little bit of panic. And that's what happens. Even at the highest level, that can happen. I mean, You're a... But West Ham conceded, you know, an own goal. But that's, you know, that's pressure against Man United. So get it in early. You've been a big advocate of Amiobi, Gary, throughout. He's out of contract in the summer. You, you'd like to see him stay and get at least another year? I've been a, an advocate of him because he looks like he can make something happen when he picks it up. I, again, I think we try and do, at times, a little bit too much in, in, in and around the box. We try and be too, too, too precise. We try and pick the perfect pass. We look up and try and pick somebody out when we shouldn't be doing it. We should just put it in an area. And if nobody gets in there, that's their fault. It's not your fault. You've delivered the quality. Don't try and pick anybody out. Just put it in an area where it's uncomfortable for defenders. Mm-hmm. Would, would you want to see him stay, Greg? Maybe not as a first choice, but at least as a squad player. I would, because I don't think it's hard. And I'm sure we will buy decent players, but we're not going to be able to spend ridiculous money. And it seems each year that goes by, we we get some great sale in. You know, we'll sell a cash for 16 million or previous years, uh, other players for 10 million or what have you. And that little pocket of, of players with a lot of money uh, is going now. And I worry that a Warrell or a player like that is going to have to be sold. Um, so, yeah, I would keep our players that have been playing consistently this year, like Amiobi, um, especially because I think it's going to be a much harder transfer window. It can't be like previous years. I think it's three or four decent additions and then stick with the, the core of what we've got. Yeah, I mean, we had uh, Kieran Maguire on last week talking about Forest finances and how he thinks that they might have to sell a Warrell and then be quite smart in the transfer market. But in a way, Gary, that's kind of what you want to see, isn't it? Not Warrell going, but you, you might only want to see four or five decent acquisitions come in in the summer. I wouldn't want to see Warrell going, without a doubt. No. He's been the one mm. shining light for me. Uh, I just love the way he goes about the game, his passion, he's vocal. He's not afraid to come out and say things when they, they need saying. Uh, which, you know, not nastily, but he comes out and he, when he's not happy with things, he'll let people know he's not happy. And I, I like to see that. You know, you, you want to see um, your whole team have a little bit of that in them. And uh, he, he is a leader. And that partnership he struck up with McKenna when McKenna came in, unfortunately he got injured, looked particularly good. Um, mm. You want to keep your best players, but obviously you go back to when the Paul Hart, you know, was in the academy. You know, that, that generation of players would have stayed had Forrest been successful, but they weren't, and they had to get rid of them. You know, Genus, Michael Dawson, you know, you, they all had to be sold, and the club said that. But what I think you've got to realise now, the owner is doing a magnificent job, keep bankrolling the club. You know, the money he's putting in there is, is just fantastic. Any other club, you'd be struggling. You know, so you've got to be massively grateful that... He's still bankrolling Nottingham Forest, the wages and everything without crowds. And, uh, you know, he deserves to be applauded for that. Yeah, Richard Osway points out one of the, the big figures from the um, accounts about you know £148 on wages for every £100 coming into the club. So they are very much reliant on um, Evangelos Marinakis. I suppose, Greg, what we'd like to see as fans and Gary as a former player is when they do spend the money, they need to perhaps spend it a bit more wisely now, don't they, on players? Yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing. It's all right selling Warrell. Say, I don't know how much Warrell's worth. Say he's worth 10 million. 
there's no point then buying two mediocre five million pound players for me. Worrell's already in the squad, you know, offering the club captaincy. He deserves the club captaincy, I believe. You know, I found it strange against Reading how um, how we gave uh, Graven the captaincy when he came back on. Uh, I'd have gave it McKenna for the match. He started as captain. He should finish as captain. And I do think when Worrell and Graven are both playing, it should be Joe that gets the captaincy. And I know that's some a conversation for pre-season but for me you know offer him something he's going to be tempted by teams like Burnley I just think it's going to be a real tough pre-season I can't see how we can spend without selling and um I don't know it'll be a shame to see him go well, and I can't see who else he's going to be right, sold you know, there's, there's a hell of a lot of dead wood at the, in the squad at the mm. moment so you just hope they can sort that out and they can get rid of you know the a lot of the players that aren't going to fo- you know focus at all in in Chris's plans. Yeah. Chris has got to be given the opportunity to say right, you know, I'll go out and get the players I want to bring in and you know then if it goes wrong it's on his back. He has picked the players, he has brought the players in and you know then it'll be all down to him and he'll accept that. If it doesn't work you know, then you'll say, right, OK, I, I did bring the players in. It hasn't worked. Uh, but, you know, he's got to be given the opportunity. I don't think we're a million miles away because mm. if you get it right defensively and you build on that, you've got a massive opportunity. It's just that goal score. I mean, it, we're in March now, going towards April, and our top score is four goals. Yeah. You know, and he rarely plays and, as well. And, it, you know, with that, normally you'd be bottom of the league. You know, with with your top scorer with four, so we're getting quite a bit right. But we've we've got to get that. You know, goals goals always win your games. Goals always get you promoted. Goals win your competitions. You know, nil nils don't win you. You know, they don't get you promoted. They don't get you involved in the playoffs. And that is the one thing that has to be addressed more than anything else. Um, one thing you said before I really disappeared was about Worrell being forthright. Would you mind that as a player, uh, him coming out in the media and, you know, he's quite blunt in his interviews, which we like and fans like. How do you think players react to that, Gaz? Um, they might react a little bit differently now. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I liked it when, um, you know, somebody said something, you could do this better, you could do that better. Um, you know, also in my career, you know, I think I helped it. When I even when I was at Grimsby with the younger players, you know, if it's constructive, you know, then it, that it's okay. If it's vindictive, it's not okay. It's about it's called passion, you know. And you, you it's, it's because you want to win. It's because you want to be successful. Nothing wrong with that. And then you know, players have got to accept it. The first thing you have to do as a player is look at yourself, and don't blame other people. Look at yourself and think, well, could I have done better? Perhaps I could. Yeah and accept it. Don't just think it's somebody else's fault and blame somebody else. Yeah, it can be somebody else's fault, but you look at yourself first and say, could I have done better? That's what I always did. And, you know, I was my biggest critic. You know, if I I went back and picked my way through what went on in, you know, every game. Um, sometimes, you know, when I especially was at Man United, it was difficult because you were doing the right things but not scoring. Hmm. Um, if Warrell were to go, Greg, would you be quite comfortable with a McKenna-Figueredo partnership? Did you see something there against Reading? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're two good for the Championship. They're two very good defenders. Um, 
I just really hope Worrell doesn't go because McKenna hasn't really proved his fitness this year so far. And, you know, if he was to get a long, a long injury next year, then we, we're struggling again, aren't we? Um, I was just trying to think then, like, who else, if money, if players do have to be sold, like, who else do we get money for? And then, again, you're looking at our brilliant academy to help us out and players like Might and you it's hard to say how much he is worth or how much he could be worth in the future, but he's the obvious one that sticks out for me. And I don't want to see anyone go, but I do think Worrell, you know, staying has to be a, a priority for us, especially if we want to give it a proper go next season. And that's mm. the only reason Chris Hewton decided to take the job, surely. Well, let's just mm. hope that Burnley won't come in for him now because they've improved. They they won at Everton at the weekend. Yeah, Google. yeah. You know, trouble a little bit. You know, Sean Dyche and Woney doing a fabulous job there again. You know, to keep Burnley in the Premier League is just incredible what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, in the short term, then, like we said before, Forest are just edging very slowly towards fifty points, and there the looks to be three worst teams or four or five worst teams. Do either of you have any worries they could get sucked into a final relegation battle, Gary? You always worry until you save. Um, you know, it's like the Premier League, 40 points, that magic number that they always say that you're going to be safe. Um, at the moment, you look at the bottom of the championship, you know, unfortunately, Wickham looked like they spent the day one at the weekend. You know, they got a win. Um, Sheffield Wednesday were beating Norwich, deservedly so, until, you know, the, the quality came through from Norwich. And, you know, that was a big sigh of relief that Norwich did us a favour. You know, Birmingham are still massively struggling. Um, So that's the one big, you know, plus at the moment that there are teams down there who have got to win so many games, you know, maybe to get out. And we lose every game to get past us. But it just sticks in my mind from last season. You know, we looked done and dusted to be in the playoffs and we all know what happened. So I'm taking nothing for granted. You know, two more wins and you'd say, right, okay, we should be. If anybody comes and gets past us, with our extra six points, and they deserve to massively. Um, you know, we talked about the run of the games we'd got coming a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, Matt? Mm. And it didn't look particularly bright um, because the teams that we were playing are in contention. And we've got Norwich coming up. That's always going to be difficult. You know, they're full of invention. Uh, you know, the quality they have in midfield and wide areas, the fullbacks get forward really well. Of course, Pukki, you know, he plays that lone role incredibly well. It didn't work, I don't think, in the in the Premier League for them, but it works in the Championship. Um, because if you're playing one up front and you're down in a game and you, you take Pukki off and put um, another striker on, and a lone striker, that's what they kept doing in the Premier League. And that's why they got relegated. They didn't mix it up and try something different. But in the Championship, because you know the levels are a little bit worse than they are in the Premier well, a lot worse than they are in the Premier League, you can get away with things like that. And how are you viewing these games this week, Gary, against Norwich well, and Brentford? It's it's a no-brainer, really. You, 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 you just, OK, just go out and put your A game in there. Don't, don't be frightened of them. If you go in there worried and frightened about them, yes, they're good teams. But, you know, we've done well against Brentford before. We've done well against West Broms and the Leeds and everybody. We've said this before. Don't respect your opposition, but don't be afraid of them because they, they sense that. You know, just play your A game, be solid, do the basics particularly well. And when you get the opportunity, you know, get when you get around the box, make the decisions a little bit better. 
Who do you think is going down? Because Birmingham have, um, well, they haven't officially sacked Karanka or departed party company with Karanka, I should say. So uh, who would you be your three to go down right now? Well, unfortunately, you have to say Wickham or, you know, the, the, to be still in contention, you know, no disrespect um, intended at all. But you, when when you looked at, you know, at the start of the season, people would have said, right, Wickham, uh, you know, would go down possibly because, you know, small budget coming up and they've done magnificently to still be in contention to maybe, you know, it's going to take a bit of a miracle to get out of it. Um, so you'd put them there. Sheffield Wednesday, look, you know, although they did play well against Norwich, you have to say first half they were the better team. Um, so they could maybe surprise if they put, you know, three wins together. You don't know. Birmingham are the ones who just seem to be getting sucked massively into it. Um, you know, and Derby as well. We've not mentioned Derby. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, got beat at home by Millwall. Uh, so, you know, their fans will be a little bit concerned about it. And the last thing we want is, you know, Derby and Forest to, to go out of the championship. I do think both teams have got enough to be okay. But uh, both teams, you know, have got to start producing it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Derby fans are as, as maybe more worried than Forest fans at the moment. But mm. um, because they can't score goals either, you know, it's it's a East Midlands thing at the moment. Uh, Derby and Forest cannot score goals, mm. so uh, you know that that is a little bit of a concern. But it's 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 always awful to rely on other teams to help you out. You know, you've got to do it yourself. Don't keep looking for results. You know, that's paramount. Mm, true. Um, Greg's rebooting his broadband. He'll be back shortly. It's a bad day for Sky or Rain because he's had he's got Sky broadband as well. Um, how, against Norwich, then would you go at them? Do you think if you were Houston yeah. or yeah, yeah? What's the point of sitting back? You know, mm. take the game to them. Press high. You know, Pookie's up there by himself. Um, you know, so centre half. He, he's an excellent player. He's an excellent finisher. His movement around the box is excellent. You know, not extravagant, extra, extra, for me to say, but it's good. You know, and it's difficult to sometimes play against that sort of a player. But, you know, press them high up. Don't allow them to come at you because they come at you with pace, you know, from all, all angles, all areas. You know, we saw that against uh, Sheffield Wednesday. You know, I kept switching over to, to that and having a look and, um, you know, Cantwell, he's you know he's of an obvious star. Uh, the goal he scored was absolutely superb on his weaker foot. Um, so you know, try and nullify that threat by d- being a threat yourself. You know, mm. don't be you know a lap dog and just sit back and try and defend and you know get a point out of it. You know, get on the front foot, make it difficult for them because Sheffield Wednesday did that. You know, they got on the front foot, they pressed them high. But you have to do it for 90 minutes. And that's not always easy. You know, they're not 10 points clear for, for nothing. They've got a very talented team, a very young team, and a very enthusiastic team. And uh, it, they'll be difficult to, you know, hold down. But, you know, we've got decent players in there. But it's, again, I keep saying decision-making. Do things better in, in and around the box. Do it quicker. Don't look up. Put it in areas. You know, don't, you don't have to pick an area out. You know what areas you have to deliver in, you know, the danger areas. So don't look, just do mm. it. There's one point in debate I want to ask you about, about fans have um, written off Bong as as left-back, and he does seem to be perhaps favoured over Ribeiro by Chris Hewton. 
Where, what do you think of Bong? Because fan, like I say, fans have kind of thrown in the towel with him. Is he that bad or not? I think he switches off a little bit. You know, I think his concentration lapses, and you know, no matter what standard you play at, you have a lapse in concentration, you get punished. Mm. Uh, I think he switches off, and you know, as a defender, um, you just can't afford to do that. Um, but you know, Chris knows him. That's why Chris plays him. You know, he's had him, you know, as a manager before. And, you know, you can't blame Chris because you, you trust people you've managed before. And it's understandable that uh, he does that. But, you know, if he's not playing particularly well, then you've got options. You know, you, you have to try them. Um, but the one thing you want more than anything when you're going to the end of the season and you're still in a little bit of trouble is a settled team. So I think that's what Chris is trying to do, maybe get a settled team rather than keep sw- switching, changing. And, yeah, so it's a conundrum for him that he's got to work out. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ribeiro's out of contract and they've got Blackett on the books and and Yanu's still on the books, although he's out on loan. That left-back position's you know, back to being one that has a bit of upheaval about it, you think? Well, there again, people think full-backs, you know, it's an easy position. Um, you know, oh, I, anybody can play, you know, full-backs. No, they can't. Um, you know, I, I've said this before, I played centre-half uh, towards the end of my career. I played at Forest under Brian. Um, so I, 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 I could cope with that, but I played the one t- one time against Southampton. Uh, Piercy was injured and the gaffer asked me, you know, Gaz, will you play left-back tonight? And I said, yeah, why not? Thinking, oh, it's going to be OK. Danny Wallace, Southampton, flying machine. He turned me inside out, you know, where, where I was coming or going, didn't know what I was doing. And eventually the, my number came up because it was a windy night. The, the ball, I went to head it, the wind got it and it bounced in front of me and smashed me straight in the face. And that was it. The gaffer had had enough. My number came up and I was off. So it's not an easy position, especially, especially if you've got, you know, somebody against you who's prepared to take you on all the time because then you're under, you know, constant pressure. And like I say, if you have lapses in concentration, you're going to get found out. Yeah. And the way teams play now, it's even more important, isn't it? Because wingers do tend to go inside quite a lot more. Fullbacks have to provide the width a lot more, like Matty Cash did last season. Well, I think, you know, you talk about Matty Cash, everybody was thinking, well, how's he going to do in the Premier League? I think, you know, he's answered people's questions there. You know, when he's been in there, he's done particularly well. And when he's been out, I think they've missed him. Um, you know, so I think. He's, you know, he's really found his feet pretty quickly, and uh, you don't always do that in the Premier League. Um, so, in replacing somebody like him is never going to be easy because of, you know, the quality he provided. You know, he, he score goals. You know, he, he create goals. Um, you know, he was quick, so defensively he could get back. Um, you know, and he, he was a big, he's a big miss for us, without a doubt. Um, last current question before I move on to what we were going to talk about uh, for other stuff. Do you feel a bit sorry for Lolly? He seems to have found some form and then he's got injured again. It's not, not happened for him this year, has it? No, it's again, it's just one of those years that, you know, you've got to try and chalk off. You know, everybody's got to chalk it off in life. You know, it's been a horrendous year because of the pandemic. You know, it's a year since, uh, you know, the lockdown first started. It affects different people in different ways. Not everybody can cope with, you know, how it's affecting life. Um, You know, it's it's very difficult. I mean, the discipline football gave me has helped me massively, you know, to to get through things. You know, the the discipline Brian and Peter gave you 
um, you know, the strength of mind has helped me in my situation massively. Um, you know, and you'll be forever thankful for that. But other people, you know, suffer and it's not as easy. You know, people are losing their jobs. You know, people, you know, it, it's, haven't got that gardens to go into. So, you know, it can affect footballers just the same. You know, people think, well, oh, they're, they're on load of money. It's all right for them. You know, but, you know, mental health is uh, an issue that's so difficult to equate at, at times because you, the ones you think are, are strong and are going to be okay sometimes aren't. You know, mm. so, um, you know, my, my last Premier League game was last March. I was at Tottenham. I did Tottenham Wolves on March the 1st. And that's the last, you know, the Premier League game I did. So I remember, you know, for that reason. But, yeah, it's, you see, you know, we talk about Liverpool in the Premier League, how people are saying they've defended their title really badly. Um, maybe it's because it affects them because of no crowds. Manchester City have turned it around. Maybe, you know, it suits them a little bit. You know, it's, how do you assess that? You know, who's going to be okay and who's going to cope with it better? You know, mm. you thought Liverpool would have been fine. How many home games have they lost this season? You know, it's mm. astounding. Um, yeah, so it's it, it's an unprecedented time. It's been a terrible year again for everybody. Um, and, you know, we just hope now we're coming out the back of it with a bit of luck. Never take anything for granted and we'll see how everybody responds then. But, uh, yeah, going back to, you know, Joe, it's... He's had a bit of stick. He went off the boil a little bit, maybe. And it's difficult to rebound sometimes, but uh, hopefully that will happen. Um, you can stay fit. And, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. You can rest your voice for a minute now. Greg's, Greg's back to bail Sorry. you out. <laughs> it's all right. We were talking there about, um, you know, the lack of crowds and everything. I mean, obviously, Greg, you go home and away. How's it been for you as a fan the last year, not actually going to games? It's uh, my, the, the best line I can say. It's the most important of unimportant things, isn't it? The, the weekend, the football, everything about it, not just the 90 minutes, because half the time that lets you down. But, you know, especially the last few weeks after the Derby game, I got myself up for the Derby game. And when we scored, like I cheered. And it, but, you watch games like the Reading game at the weekend and when we scored, just sat on the sofa, like barely, barely lifted my arm. It's just, it's got to the point now where it's really starting to be, it's hard to keep following the games, especially the neutral games. I don't bother with any of them now. Um, it's just, it needs that passion from the fans and it, the fans need to be there because it is a struggle, but the, there's loads of hope now. I think the, the cricket will be an interesting one in the summer. We should be able to start to being able to go to that and that'll be a real tester. I think they've said the FA Cup game will be as well, won't it? Yeah, I um, mean, look at the England-India game. Yeah, the, the incredible. How, how they're being let in there because India was having one of the worst yeah. times in the world with the pandemic. Mm. All of a sudden, there's 60,000 in a stadium. Yeah. Which, totally and utterly baffled me and nobody seemed to question it no and you know i've been watching the golf at the weekend you know the uh, the players championship loads of fans in there well yeah, i think they let five five thousand in or something like that but even then you could hear you know it lifted players when they'd done something well you know when they'd sunk a you know 15 20 footer you know you could hear the crowd again and 
it's so important, uh, I think. Uh, and I think football has struggled. I've said this before. I think football has struggled more than any other sport um, for the lack of atmosphere. You know, because mm. we all know our packed stadiums are fantastic. You know, you get caught up in the uh, the um, the game with the away fans, with the home fans, the noise. You know, the, the, it's just incredible. And not to have it is very difficult. And like you, uh, Greg, I, I find it difficult to watch football at the moment. Mm. Mm, me too. I've got my, uh, my Sheffield Wednesday tickets are still on the uh, fridge. And it was a year yesterday. It was March the 14th where we should have obviously gone. And I think it's going to be 18 months, hopefully, uh, all in all, until we can walk back into the ground. And I, I can just imagine walking back into the ground, the exact same people will be stood exactly where they were 18 months ago and all will be well. And we'll probably have a miserable 1-0 loss and moan about it for the next three hours and it'll be an amazing day. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Look on the bright side. <laughs> will you will you view it differently, Greg? In terms, of, will you view match days differently in terms of what, what they be, are for you? It's going to be so easy to get back into the same old moaning about this, that, the other, but appreciate it a bit more. And you know, if we do have a rubbish game and we don't play very well, we'll just get ready for the next one as as fans. And I know it's easy to say because we all love to moan, but yeah, definitely going to appreciate it a bit more. And you know. I, I don't know if everybody's going to come back straight away and you can understand totally why people wouldn't, but it's just going to be an amazing feeling walking to that ground again. And I can't the wait. The build-up to the game as well, you're right. You know, you met your mates for a pint and everything. Mm. You know, when I was going to the games, you know, it was great. I, you know, I met up uh, in, the, in the pubs around the place and it was great to see people. And, um, you know, that part of it you miss, you know, massively as well. You know, that's... Uh, camaraderie between everybody it's you know you miss that that physical you know sort of conversational mm. moments you have before games you know you you discuss everything and you have a really good go a good argument with each other and I think you, 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 everybody's missed that yeah just talking about enjoyment and what football means to us then I asked you both and I've done it as well to pick our favorite Forest 11s in terms of the players that have kind of giving us the most enjoyment, not necessarily the best players. So we'll go through them. And if people want to drop comments on each of them and drop their own favourite teams in, then we'll uh, discuss a few of those and flash them on the team as well. Charles, uh, I'll throw you under the bus first, Greg, and we'll go through your team, your favourite 11 that you sent in. Just bear with me for one second. Greg's team is here. Right, I'll read it out so people who are listening on iTunes can uh, hear it and then be annoyed by it. So Greg has gone Mark Crossley in goal, a back four of Cash, Dawson, Walker and Pierce, And then four in midfield, Carvalho, Keane, Bahinen and Andy Reid. And then Mikel Antonio playing off Stan Collymore. Um, Greg, talk us through that team. Why did you go for, for those 11? Um. I went with Bahinen because I used to love his song and it's one of my <laughs> one of my memories sitting near the A block because I was too young listening to the Bahinen song. Um, Pierce, obviously, you have to have him in. Uh, the way Cash is becoming a very good player, uh, I couldn't not have him, have him in. Uh, the goalkeeper I really struggled with because I suppose Crossley's the... I started watching in like 92... So Crossley really was the only 
only choice, but still a very good choice. Um, Dawson at his prime, maybe when he was with Spurs, and and Walker together. I mean, Walker kind of bred Dawson through, didn't he? Those two are superb. Uh, Keane again had his his best career after us, but what a player! And I put Carvalho in there, and I know I'll get a load of stick, but. Carvalho playing around some of those great players, I think, would be super. <laughs> and he's still so young and he could still prove a lot of us wrong. So I'd, I'd just selfishly love to see him play in a, in a stronger team. Uh, so that's that's why he's in there. Antonio is just a brilliant player. And Collymore, you know, of my era, he should be in everyone's team. I don't even think it's a debate. You like that team, Gary? Uh, yeah, I mean, I played with two of those players. I played with Piercy and Dez. Um, so I, I know the quality of those two players without a doubt. I, I like Bohemian. I like the way he played the game. Uh, he was terrific on the ball. He was very comfortable. Um, and Reedy, I mean, what, what a left foot he had. Mm. You know, he was a delight to watch Reedy with that. Now then, go back and watch what Reedy did as well as John Robert. I mentioned John Robertson. But go back and see how Reedy delivered balls and mm. when he delivered balls. He was that good with his left foot. Um, so, you know, Keane, I can understand. You know, he, like you say, Greg, he made his, his uh, name at Manchester United. But, you know, we all saw him coming through at an early age and fully understand why he's there. Um, it, it's it's so difficult, goalkeepers, you mentioned. I mean, I played with so many. I played with Van Broeklin, Hans Sagers, Chris Woods, Steve Sutton, you know, Schiltz. I was very fortunate in that respect, uh, all through my career, Notts County played with Mick Leonard. When I went to Grimsby, Steve Shaw, uh, Steve Shaw was the goalkeeper. So you know, I was so fortunate to play with so many great goalkeepers. No one's commented on your team, Greg. Which is, I think, you'll take that as a good. Oh no, Cy Olsen, great team, Greg. There you go. By far the best player I've ever seen about Stan Collymore, which I would probably agree with. No, no anti Carvalho comments. That's good. <laughs> right, I'm going to save yours till last, Gary, because I want to pick your brain about um, some other players who might have been in there. Because obviously, like you say, you were spoiled for choice. We'll put my team up, and then we'll just go through that. I'll read it out. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so it's camping goal, Cash, Dawson, Walker and Pierce, the same back four as Greg. And then four in midfield, Steve Stone, Gareth Williams, Chris Cohen, Andy Reid, and then Collymore and David Johnson up front. So like Greg said, uh, I kind of struggled with goalkeepers. I went with Camp because that season where we finished third, um, I thought Camp was brilliant. And you, that game against Derby springs to mind where he saved the penalty. And then from the corner, and he looked like, uh, that season he was pretty untouchable. Although I think over the longer term, obviously Crossley was a better keeper. Um, everything Greg said about the back four, the, the Dawson-Walker partnership under Paul Hart was kind of what I went for there with the way Walker um, bought through Dawson and probably made him the player he is to a great extent today. I love Gareth Williams because he uh, kind of made that Paul Hart team tick. And Greg, you should have put Chris Cohen in. I'm personally disappointed. I, know, I, I, it just, I had a subs bench and Stone and Cohen were on. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like, like Gary said about Andy Reid, the best um, left foot I've seen in my time. Obviously, I didn't see um, John Robertson play in person, but certainly Reid was the magician of um, my era. Um, Collie Moore, definitely the best. Uh, player I've seen in person. He's like an absolute force of nature on his day. And David Johnson had that golden season in 2002, 2003, 
when uh, it looked like we were going to go up, and then he got injured after that, which is very bad luck. So that's my team. Oh, there's five comments dropped in, so these are probably going to be all negative. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, people asking, where's Ian Wone, which is uh, yeah, a good he's shout. he's on the bench. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, had, he had a great time as well. Uh, yes, Cy Alton pointing out that Keenan Bohinan would have had Williams and Cohen on toast. That is true, but it's my team, so that's fine. Um, Gary, pull that team apart as an expert analysis. Not, I don't think it's as strong as Greg's team as an 11, but a good team nonetheless. Yeah, you look at it, and it, it is. It, 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 you, you haven't got to pick your team from the best squad you've got at that particular moment. That happens in every era. I mean, Stan Collymore, for me, I, he's one striker I'd love to have played with. Um, I, I'm just sorry he packed in, to, you know, when he did. Um, he, he had everything. He had pace. He had strength. I remember the goal I was at the ground uh, as a guest in the studio for Sky when he scored the goal against Man United in the Trent end. Um, you know, he, he had every attribute. Could have played for England for, you know, quite a while, I think. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't to be. But still, you take nothing away from that. True, true. Uh, let's go to your favourite Forest team then, Gary. And as you messaged me before this, you said it, you know, it can be only one and we'll talk around who the next best were. So I'm going to put it up and I'll read it out as before. So Gary's starting 11 uh, would be um, Shilton in goal, Anderson, Burns, Lloyd and Clark. Frank Clark, uh, for those who are watching, looks like he's playing everyone on side there. I didn't really line that up very well. So sorry, get up, get up two yards, Frank. Um, <laughs> Different rule in those days, though, wasn't it? <laughs> and then a midfield four of Martin O'Neill, John McGovern, Archie Gamble, and John Robertson. And then a front two. I just kind of picked this for you a bit because you didn't really give me an exact level. So I put yourself and Tony Woodcock up front, Gary. Take Talk to us. Who, who's take you out and put who in? Um, well, I, I watched Peter with and the partnership he had with Tony Woodcock. And it was a terrific, you know, partnership. They toked totally different players. Peter was great in the air, held the ball up well. You know, Tony with his pace. Uh, you know, it was a terrific partnership to watch and learn from. Um, you know, and I, I did learn from that partnership, I must admit. Um, you know, Colin Moore again. You know, but I, I played with a guy called Clough, who I think was a little bit underestimated. Um, you know, he, he, he was some finisher. And, you know, he, he didn't have pace, but my word, could he finish? One of the most clinical finishes I think I've seen. Um, and I played with Ian Wallace as well. We had a ter- terrific partnership when he was there. People gave Wally stick. But again, you know, he's, he, at that period, he was a finisher and a half. Um, so, yeah, I was lucky to, to play with guys uh, at Forest who, you know, help my game and hopefully I could help theirs. Yeah, I thought you might say Nigel Clough, even though uh, he wasn't of your your prime. I mean, do you think Nigel today playing as a with number ten so in vogue? I know he wore number nine, but that kind of deeper lying forward role that he played would he have been even more successful today? Do you think? I think so. You know, people forget when he went to Liverpool. You know, he, he did very well at Liverpool as well. Um, you know, it, it still rankles that his dad gave him the the number nine shirt instead of me. Um, but, you know, we, we remain great friends and uh, I always remind him of that. But, yeah, he was, uh, he, what a first touch he had as well. You know, and I've seen, you know, what he does, you know, and he works with his players now, you know, concentrating on strikers, getting their first touch right. But, you know, going to the team, I mean, how can I say any other team apart from that? Because the enormity of 
you know, what happened at that particular point, what we won in those four or five years is just staggering. Mm. Uh, it's, um, sorry, I'm, I keep moving here. I'm getting messages and missed calls and all sorts here. <laughs> uh, you know, the enormity, of, you know, you look back at it now and you, we all want the same to happen again at Forest. And, you know, to be part of that, I couldn't really say anything else. I mean, I played with, you know, you look at Franz Tyson, you know, what a player he was. Johnny Metcalf, you know, what a player he was. You know, I played with some terrific players, you know, who've got so much ability. Um, in in da- Pete Davenport, don't forget about Pete Davenport. Steve Hodge, you know, oh, for a Steve Hodge now, who go past the strikers. You know, he wasn't the biggest, but my word, his desire and his strength and his belief was just incredible. You know, mm. the goals he got from doing that. And we missed Ian Bowyer out as well. You know, yes, yeah. He was an incredible player. You know, I wouldn't want anybody else in my team in that, that central area. You know, when, when he was there, he was horrible to play against. He was hard as nails. If Sooners went high, he'd go higher. You know, and he, he, to have those sort of players in and around you to come in. David Needham, when he came in for either Larry or, or Frank, Colin Barrett came in for either Viv or for, you know, for Frank. So we, that, that particular squad, you know, Gary Mills came in, Bryn Gunn. You know, it, it's so difficult to go away from that particular time mm, mm. It, it was so good you know it was so good um one player i thought you might put in greg uh just on talent might have been van hoydonk for the kind of that purple patch he had did his conduct afterwards mean you can't put him in yeah it weren't even a consideration <laughs> <laughs> i struggled with behenan because he went to derby but no van hoydonk was a great player but what he did yeah he didn't belong in any of the, my teams <laughs> People, people forget about Frank Tyson, don't they? Mm. You know, mm. Arnold and Tyson, you know, when they were at Ipswich, were absolute mm. legends. You know, that partnership in midfield. Then, obviously, Arnold went to Man United, did really well there. Um, but Frank, you know, he, Frank, was it Frank or... Yeah, Frank Tyson. No, it was... Nathan. No, Frank. not Nathan Tyson. No, no I know guys, right? Dutch, Dutch... Yeah, is it Frank? Oh. Frank Franz Tyson, yeah. Isn't it? France Tyson, it was. Tyson, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, when we yeah, we, we got to the semi final of the um, you know when Anderlecht knocked us out, we had Paul Hart centre half. Then we had Kenny Swain come in. You know, you forget about players like that. We had uh, Colin Walsh on the you know on the left hand side. Mm. You know, we we always had players to replace players. Then Ian Wom, we've mentioned him, came in after that and replaced. You know, Forest were always good at replacing players who were good in those positions. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's why you look back and you see all those names and, you know, that's what Forest did well at those particular points in their history. Yeah. Have we I been a bit cursed, been. Greg? Have we been a yeah, bit cursed by not seeing some of those names? I was just thinking I should have done one just purely through who's come through our academy. And I think that would have still been a very strong side. Yeah, um, true. I don't think we've cursed. I just think your your team overachieved so much, Gary, that we're always looking to be that, you know, the sleeping giant type of thing where <laughs> we need to start realising where we are and just hoping we, we get into the Premier League at some point. But the, um, the thing and it, is, you know, people thought, oh, well, it, it, it wasn't the same game in those days. But you look at the teams we played against in those, mm. you know, the great Liverpool side, nobody could beat them. You know, you look at the QPR side at that particular point with Stan Bowles in there and Jerry Francis. You know, 
went through that QPR team and it was absolutely magnificent. You know, and all the teams, Everton, when uh, they had, um, well, when Andy Gray was there, when uh, Sharpie was there, they had Peter Reid in midfield. You know, fantastic teams. You know, we played against, you know, some really good players in that generation. The Ipswich team with Mick Mills and um, Russell Osman and Terry Butcher. You know, uh, Eric Gates up front, Alan Brazil, you know, David Johnson. You know, they were hell of a hell of teams at that particular point. They had really top-class players in their, in their teams. People forget about that. Manchester United were on a bit of a downer at that particular point. Um, but, you know, take nothing away from, you know, the achievement because people try to all the time. But I'm, I'm just trying to make people aware of how good the oppositions were then. You know, and people say about, well, you only beat Malmo and Hamburg in the finals. But, you know, you look at the t- teams who Hamburg and, and Malmo beat. I mean, Hamburg were the best team in Europe with Keegan in. And Malmo, you know, they knocked Real Madrid out, I think. You know, so you can only assess at what time you played. And, you know, that's why my team has, has got to be like it is. Right. Thank you very much, everyone. I think we'll leave it there. Um, apologies for technical problems. It all seems to happen at once this week with myself and Greg and Gary holding us all together as the linchpin as ever. So appreciate that from both of you. And thanks to everyone who watched along with the comments. Uh, I was going to say, do give us a good five-star review on iTunes, but take take into account the technical problems when you do and be generous. Uh, we'll be back next week with another full podcast. Hope everyone has uh, a good week in the meantime and we'll see you all soon thank you for listening to garibaldi red a nottingham forest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode thanks for listening